Hi guys, it's Jess. Welcome back to the Not Carrie Bradshaw podcast, where I discuss all things style, wellness, and pop culture. This is going to be a short intro because the main part of this podcast episode is a bit long. It features a woman who I am so grateful for and in awe of. You may know her from social media as Dear Franny. She is a love and dating coach who teaches people how to find love without settling, which is a topic that I would otherwise steer clear of at all costs because I don't like the way people talk about dating except for her. She has a very holistic and warm and welcoming and self-compassionate approach to this topic and I really think I feel like a a, a youth pastor I feel like this is gonna bless (laughs) y'all like a youth pastor who knows that the service is about to be long but they feel like they really have good stuff to give to the congregation (laughs) that's really how I feel right now um so give it a listen have an open heart have an open mind and I really hope that some of the things that we discussed, it got a little bit personal for me and I thought about taking that part out, but I hope what you hear about me somehow helps you in some way. I'm all about transparency and I'm all about helping my audience to be and to feel better. And if that means a moment of unscheduled vulnerability for me, then so be it. Um, again, I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thank you for listening. If you're new here, welcome. We happy to have you and whatnot. Um, so be sure to like and comment and subscribe and share and rate and review. And if you don't get everything that Franny mentions, don't worry. I'm putting links in the episode description. So you guys enjoy and be well and take care of yourselves. I really hope y'all enjoy this episode. Okay, so Franny, I'm so, so, so honored and excited to have you, and I don't want to, like, make you blush, but you have been such an integral part of my quarantine self-care. Ever since I first heard you on Shaney's podcast, which we both, you know, done a guest spot on, I have been like, where was this the whole time? So (laughs) thank you for everything that you do. I just felt like my audience really needs to know you, know what you're doing, know what you're about. I'm really big on authenticity, on transparency, on legitimacy of work. So with that being said, please tell my audience who you are, what you do, and why. Well, first of all, thank you for that amazing introduction. And I'm so so honored (laughs) that I have been a part of your quarantine self-care. So thank you. So I am a love coach and I have a podcast about love. I write about love. I speak about love. I I first entered the love industry as a matchmaker. So I used to be the one who set people up and I um, I was a matchmaker in New York City. I worked exclusively with women and um, I women who dated men and I would just constantly be on the prowl. So I used to have to go around New York City with cards and just be like, you know, oh, that guy seems interesting. And I don't see a wedding ring and have to go and be like, I was gonna no. say, how do you recruit? Like, how do you, it feels a little bit like, 
<laughs> feels a little bit like you might have come off as like a like a madam or oh like, yes totally or something. <laughs> oh yeah no, no no it's not good it wasn't fun it was like I mean I mean I had fun with it but and men were generally very flattered you know even if they weren't available if they, even if they weren't interested oh, um but of course Amazing I had to be for anyone to approach them with like positive energy, especially like a pretty woman. It's like, oh, hi. <laughs> yes, totally. Yes, exactly. Um, so I, I, I started, so I started, I used to be a lawyer in my previous life. So I'm okay. a recovering lawyer. Yeah. And I, but I was, so I practiced law for years and I, but I always knew that I didn't want to do that forever. I knew that there was something else that my heart was calling me to do, but I didn't know what it was. And I had this like, interest deep interest in dating and relationships and romance and i had my own struggles for years and went on my whole love journey of figuring it out and i had a dating advice blog and i still wasn't thinking like oh maybe there's something here professionally i was still just like i don't know what i'm gonna do <laughs> what kind of job am i gonna get you know right. um so anyway fast forward i finally figured out like oh my god there are matchmakers in this world these people like they get paid to help people find love oh my God, that sounds like the best job ever. So I went into matchmaking, got my matchmaking certification, uh, started my own matchmaking business. And I also worked for another matchmaker named Paul Brunson. Um, are you familiar with Paul? No, the only matchmaker that I know, and I can't even say that I know because I don't remember her name, the lady from Bravo. Oh, uh, Patty Stanger. That's the yes. only... Yes. You know that I'm familiar with. No, totally. I so she was also the only one I was I had been familiar with. Okay. And so I met I met a woman and I, she just at a barbecue and we were just talking and she was like, "Yeah, there's this black male matchmaker that I follow on Twitter." And I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> I was like, "There's a black male what?" And and it was Paul Brunson. And so I just immediately started following him and I was became obsessed with him and just his philosophy about love and black love and so inspired by him. So I wound up, he wound up mentoring me. So when I started matchmaking, I worked for him as a matchmaker and I had my own matchmaking business. So I had, because of that, I had like a real, um, cause he worked with clients all over the country and I only worked with clients in New York. So okay. I had, I got a lot of experience with working with a lot of women, um, primarily black women all over the country who were dealing with, you know, their dating challenges their relationship challenges. And it became really clear very quickly that the people that we could match were the ones who were really open to coaching and really open to, you know, just looking at themselves, their values, you know, what they actually needed in a relationship, um, you know, how they wanted to feel in a relationship and really just to just to go deeper, basically, yeah, those people. Yeah we could match. And the ones that were like, no, I want what I want. And they didn't want to talk about it. Those we couldn't match. And so I realized that the coaching was the important part. So I stopped matchmaking. So I, <laughs> I got to stop chasing men all over the place. <laughs> I mean, who among us isn't chasing men? I'm just like, <laughs> um, and I just, and I started exclusive, co I started coaching exclusively. So that was about five years ago. Um, so yeah, so that's what I do. And I, you know, I, like I said, I have a podcast about love called Dear Franny. I've been on the Today Show a bunch of times talking about love. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I'm all about. That's what I do. I help people find love without settling. I, that's my favorite part is the without settling. Um, I, I have to say before I listened to you, Shaney and I have become really, really good friends. Um, shout out to Shaney of A Single Serving Podcast. I know you're probably listening. I love you, friend. Um, Shaney 
has been a godsend because so many of the people who have been on her podcast have been people who I'm like, oh my God, where's this person been my whole life? And so I was so anxious to even listen to your episode because I, for so long, I mean, until very recently, was very cut off from even looking at my romantic life because when I listen to you talk about your love journey, there are some similarities there. Um, I thought that I was like born without whatever bone people are born with that makes them quote unquote good at dating. I was like, that's just not for me. I'm just not a person who's good at dating and I'm just gonna try to be super wealthy. And so, and just live my life alone. Cause at least if I'm rich, it'll be fabulous. You know, like, I, <laughs> like it's almost like how people don't like to listen to um, podcasts about like finances if they're really bad at quote unquote bad at money. And it's like, this is just a, where I, I felt so crippled in that mm-hmm. area. And I was like, I don't want to hear anybody talk about dating I really struggled to get to a place where it was like I'm happy to be single I enjoy my single life but I also really do desire love finding that balance was really really hard and hearing you have this more holistic approach to what it means to find love without settling I was like that sounds like something that I can do more because it's you talk about this from a very self perspective first And I really, really appreciate that. And you cover the gambit in terms of self-care, but you have one of my favorite concepts that you have introduced me to. And I have been telling everybody in my life about it. Everybody who will listen (laughs) is the fairy tale industrial complex because I'm like, that's what it is. That's how we do real gesture for everything. That's why we keep letting people, that's it. That's the thing. So I was so happy to have, to, to put words to this concept that I have been, you know, have been swirling around in my mind for so long. Please explain to my audience, you can do it better than I can, what the fairy tale industrial complex is and how it impacts the way that we date. Yes, yes. Um, and also, first of all, shout out to Shaney. Absolutely. She's amazing. Hi, Shaney. Um, so, okay. So it's deep. The fairy tale yes. industrial complex, it's deep. It yes. has a lot of layers, it has a lot of levels. And it's it, it's so important to understand that because we have to give ourselves a break. Yeah, yeah. Because we literally did not have a choice. So what I mean when I say the fairy tale industrial complex, it's, so it literally starts, okay. So you think about literal fairy tales, right? Disney, we all grew up with the Disney princess. We all grew up with the idea of Prince Charming, of this idea that being a woman and being chosen by a man, you know, by the prince, that is the goal, right? And then you live happily ever after. And that narrative has found its way into our culture in so many, many ways, Um, whether it's, you know, romantic comedies, whether it's love songs, whether it's, um, you know, just, just culturally how we think about love, this idea of there being the one, and then, you know, the idea of this happily ever after, this idea that this romantic love is the most fulfilling thing that you can ever experience and it's about especially as a as a as a woman who dates men it is about being chosen by the man and that is the most important thing and that's what gives you your value that's what makes your life worth living and if you don't have that then you are you know one of cinderella's ugly stepsisters right so you're this damaged kind of like wounded something's not quite right about her kind of yeah -hmm. yeah you you know you're just you're not desirable you're not beautiful enough you're not young enough you're not white enough you're not 
whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And this was a very um, intentional decision by Disney to start telling these stories because traditional fairy tales are dark. They are dark as hell. They are dark. Traditional fairy tales are not about romance and happily ever after. And it's all really dark. And all of the stories are about some deeper, darker lessons. But yeah. then we've adopted that in our culture as, and we flipped it. And this is where it really the industrial complex part comes in. Cause then we flipped it as commercial. Oh, we can sell this. So once they started selling this idea that to women particularly right that you have to be beautiful you have to be young you have to be desirable in order to have happiness in order to have love now this now you can sell us makeup <laughs> you can sell us high heels you can sell us girdles <laughs> which used to be girdles and now it's spanks you can yep. sell us diets you can yep. sell us hair color it becomes an entire industry and it is an entire industry that really and i know this I mean, some people might be like all right you're going too deep with this but no <laughs> it actually it all feeds into each other and that's why it's so layered and that's why it's so invasive and so it so that's why there are links between things like even diet culture right this idea that as as women we have to always be very thin where did this come from this is not like this you know this these were choices that were made and these are choices that um really helped to prop up the patriarchy 100 and yeah and really help to keep women it's like it's like um you know it's like when you can get the it's like if you're a warden if you're like a warden of a prison right and you just like all you know you just want power you just want power you just want to control you just want to like dehumanize everyone the best thing that you can do is to get the prisoners to start fighting amongst themselves mm. right like mm. the best thing you can do is to get the prisoners and I say prisoners, the people, right, who are imprisoned, right, because they're people, you, the best thing you can do is to get them to, to start to operate from a scarcity mindset and resources exactly. are scarce and power is scarce yes. and all this, right? Because now your work is done for you, <laughs> right? In terms of the infighting and like, you know, all that. And it's the same thing because of the scarcity mindset of the pick me fairy tale, um, you know, the, this whole fairy tale, um, ethos or you know foundation of, of this whole fairy tale industrial complex this is something that keeps us as women very i mean listen not everyone and, and god bless you if you escape this but i'll speak for myself <laughs> and for and for the women that i know and that i work with to some extent this keeps us in this place where we are holding back so much of ourselves because we're trying to conform to this standard that we've been told our whole lives, which is about this princess idea, right? Yeah. And I think about this, I'm like, wow, can you imagine that if as women, we had had as, say that we were, we culturally, we didn't have all the advertising, we didn't have all the marketing, right? Cause we've all been marketed to since we were in the cradle, literally. Yeah, everything has told us, oh, sweetie, you're great if you even got that part, but you could always be a little bit better and this is how. Yeah, exactly. You can life. always, you know, you can always lose those few pounds. You can always have bigger booze. You can always have better clothes. You could always be sweeter. You could always be more agreeable. You could always be sexier. You can always be young, look younger. I mean, it's yeah. like, it's, it's yeah. never ending, right? Yeah. So we've all internalized this to some extent. And then when you bring in actual real life romance and actual real life relationships, and you come with this mindset, 
it's no wonder that we see so much dysfunction in our relationships and our culture because the way we think about love is so it's just inherently dysfunctional <laughs> it's inherently about um you know this scarcity and, and it's also it's also disempowering honestly the way we typically think about love because if we think about it as i need another person to complete me yeah. that means you're incomplete so you, you're now telling yourself a story and you're now internalizing a belief that you are operating through your life as an incomplete person and, and how does that serve you when i say i fully internalize that you know like being from the south being a black girl, being from Atlanta, being a Christian, I had all these things, um, you know, Atlanta is such a black city. I tell people all the time, I grew up knowing that it was lit to be black. I never felt like this was in any way inferior. Like everybody around me was black. Our doctors were black. Our lawyers were black. Your teachers were, we saw yeah. that. But when it came to how to operate as a black woman, I, really struggled to find my footing. I was, you know, very Bambi, you know, like struggling to find my footing in what it meant to be what I now know is a feminist. Nobody was telling me anything about patriarchy, anything about, you know, any of this stuff. I just always felt like something's not right here. I just kept looking around like in my, in my circumstances, in my friend circle, in, you know, in high school, in college, it was like, something is not right here. This is not how this should go. Like speaking to that dysfunction. And I was having a conversation with one of my really good friends who she and I both routinely are in your clubhouse rooms, which we'll get to <laughs> later. We are in there like clockwork. I was like, has it ever occurred to you how long we were going through our lives unempowered from a sexual perspective, from a romantic perspective? And in one of your podcast episodes, you spoke about how you um it's almost this performativeness that you would do on dates where you kind of pick up on these cues of like what this guy would like and you find yourself kind of bending and molding to like try yeah. to be that but you can't keep that shit up but for yeah. so long and it never occurs to us for so long in our lives it doesn't occur, occur to us to go into a date to go into a job interview to go into anything where we're hoping to get something out of it asking, what do I want to get out of this? What should he be for me? We're constantly kind of like performing to be good, quote unquote, for so long. I just yes. wanted to be like a good girl, right? So I felt like when I, quote unquote, lost my virginity, which is not a real thing. Not um, a real thing. Podcast, right? Just a construct. <laughs> a construct. You ain't lost nothing. Didn't nobody know what they was doing. But anyway, you know, you feel like you have somehow like given something up and that you're somehow let worth. This is a real thing that I used to think. Like I must somehow be worth less than the girls who didn't do it. And constantly going through dating and trying to perform goodness, trying to perform worthiness, trying to perform that very demure, like, you know, kind of, you know, thing. And at a certain point, if you are lucky, if you are aware, you start to realize this is not working. So this leads me into the next concept that you and my therapist, it took both of y'all a collective amount of time <laughs> to get me to understand what co-creating was. I went through this really, really awful, I don't even want to call it a breakup situation. Like it was like world shattering. It touched every insecurity that I had within myself, within my friends, like all this stuff. And my therapist is like, what this person did to you was not right. 
However, let's see if there's a pattern here, if there's something you can do differently. And I was like, listen, Dr. Carla, homegirl, love you down, but you can't tell me <laughs> that he was wrong, but I need to do something different. That don't work. The math ain't math, and that's not true. We do co-create a lot of things, especially when it comes to dating, because we don't have an awareness of our patterns and like the root causes of the like the trauma from which those patterns grow. So can you talk to the people a little bit about what it means to co-create not so great experiences in your dating life? Yes. So this is so important. This is such a great question because it can be so confusing because I, I listen and as somebody <laughs> who has had a lot of romantic experiences that I was I was like you, if anybody had told me like, you know, let's just look at what how maybe, you know, you co-created this, I would have been like, nah. So I get it. I would have had the exact same reaction. So I think, first of all, the starting point, whenever you're starting to look at this for yourself is always self-compassion. And you know this, Jessica, because you hear me talk all the yes. time. <laughs> Y'all have a self-compassion workbook, girl. Oh, oh, amazing. <laughs> I love it. I love that. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So you, well, so you know, and it's, and it's so, so important because you did not choose any of this. Right. You didn't choose any of it. None of these beliefs that we absorbed, we didn't choose them. These were things that we, we, you know, we got it from family, we got it from culture, we got it from religion, we got it from marketing, we got it from the fairy tale industrial complex. Like, none, we did not choose these things. So we have to, first of all, just be compassionate towards ourselves that we're even in the situation, have the challenge, all of it. Just, girl, you deserve a break. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't choose it. It's okay. This is just part of being human, right? So that's the first thing. And then the second thing that I always like, I think it's important to understand for people, sometimes look at a situation different than love because love is so triggering and it feels so close that we're just like, you know, oh, you know, like it's, it's hard for us to see. Let's take money. Money, money is money is a is a good example. Um, so say someone is a person who and, and I also have a whole money journey. So I, I say this also from personal experience, okay? I do. <laughs> so, all right. So say you're a person who, um, I'll, here, I'll give, my, I'll give myself total my example. So when I grew up, we were, it was, it was a feast or famine situation, right? Like sometimes things were good. We would splurge, great, spend the money. And then times would be like, oh shit, we don't got nothing, right? So this was a pattern from my childhood that I unconsciously absorbed. And even though I grew up to be a lawyer and to have a you know nice job and whatever, this was a pattern that I always carried out. It was either like I had a bunch of money and I would spend it or I had no money, right? <laughs> and it was just feast or famine. So once I finally realized, because when, when you have a job and you have a regular salary and you can kind of adjust to that pattern, right? And you can just kind of feel like that's normal. I know a paycheck's coming in a week and just kind of live like that, right? <laughs> Okay. Right. Okay. So, um, I've been there, I've been there, I've been there. Right. But then I started my own business. And when you start your own business and you don't have a paycheck coming every week, you have to really, you, you can no longer run from your money issues. Right. So I had to realize like, okay, I don't feel like I'm choosing this because in my heart, I want to have financial stability. I work so hard. I work so hard. <laughs> I'm putting in all this work. Like, you can't tell me that I am somehow 
you know, self, I don't like, I don't actually like the term self-sabotage because it makes it sound, I'll, I'll just say it, but then I'll explain why I don't like it. So you're telling me that I'm somehow like self-sabotaging and like creating this pattern. Like I'm not creating this pattern. Like I'm just not getting enough clients or I have these bills or da da da. Right. And it's not that those things are logically not true. However, once you start to understand that, okay, actually, since this pattern has repeated over and over again, regardless of how much money I've had, regardless, regardless of whether I had a steady job or didn't, maybe there is a little bit something more going on here. All right, how do I feel about money, right? How do I feel when I get that paycheck? How do I feel when I see that bank account balance, right? And and starting to bring myself because I realize, and this is this is a big, big, big tip for money manifestation. Anybody who wants to up level your relationship with money, like literally imagine. So say say you're like I want I, I wish I could manifest like two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Imagine $250,000 sitting in your bank account, whatever your current account is, your Chase, your Ally, your City, whatever. Imagine that money sitting in that account and like really close your eyes. Imagine that it's there, it's yours. How do you feel about that? And what is your impulse? What do you want to do with that money? Because I can tell you that my impulse was to spend it. I literally <laughs> thought of three pairs of shoes that I could finally get. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. And that was me. It was like, oh, having money equals spending money. Right. And so when I realized, okay, there's some discomfort I have with actually having money and saving it Mm. and investing it and growing it, even though that's so counter to what I actually want, there's clearly some discomfort there. So I need to look at this because I don't want to, I want to break this pattern. Right. So I say, I give this example to just kind of show you how like with, you know, with love, it can be triggering what you turn, you take it to something else, you know, yeah, and you could use yeah. career, you could use any type, all sorts of things to kind of see like, oh yeah, I didn't consciously do that. But yeah, you know, come to think of it, every time I get, every time I get that paycheck, the first, the first thing I think to do is spend it. Can't wait to spend it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and not realizing like, oh, wait a second, there's something deeper going on here. So it's going back to love and to figuring out how you're co-creating. So number one, you want to see what your pattern is. And everyone has a pattern. And even if you are being horribly, horribly mistreated and it is not right, like your therapist said, and it is not fair, and you did not ask for that treatment there is still some part of you that actually did choose it because you felt that that was either what you deserve. Yep. Right. Or that was the only thing that was possible for you. Yep. Right. And so it's really important to look back and kind of like take a, take a little step back and then just start to reverse engineer those relationships. Because the thing is, it's not like you woke up three years later and this and now this person who's been this amazing partner is now abusive. Right. It doesn't work that way, right? And so we have to look back and see like, oh, where were all of the times where I actually did choose to say, okay, it's okay. Or, you know what, it's no big deal. Or, you know, maybe he'll change or, you know what, it's like, but you know, I really like him. And if I don't, if I don't, if I don't make this work, then maybe I'll be single forever. You know, like we have to really be honest with ourselves about those times where we ignored our intuition, where we put somebody else's 
you know, um, what they wanted, their desires for our own. Like we have to look at that. And when you start to break that down, then you can see it's like, oh, yeah, I guess I did. I mean, here's a perfect here's a perfect example. So the 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 guy that I dated who was um, I mean, frankly, he's just not a good person. Right. And he so he's probably the only person that I've ever dated who I would say that about. I mean, I, there are other guys who hurt me, you know, hurt my feelings. Bro but this is the only person I would say this. He's actually just not, you know, and I heard things, general, you know, you're not great at being a human person in yeah. general. He's not great at being a human person. Okay. But before I knew that, um, I met him, he's handsome. He was all charming. He was into me and he was like, probably, he was like the most handsome, like in my opinion, he was the most like objectively handsome dude who'd ever liked me. And I was like, I was kind of intimidated by how handsome he was. And so, but there was something in me that I was like, I just don't like this guy. I feel like I should like him. Like he's saying all the right things. He's got this beautiful chocolate skin and this beautiful white smile. And he's so like smart and this and that. And I was like, there's just something about him that I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why I'm not more excited about this person. But I talked myself out of that that inner knowing and I said you know what this man is so good looking he's so this he's so that this is exactly the kind of person I want to be with this is exactly what I've been saying that I want like I just need to go for it yeah right and so yeah, I'll, I'll spare you the story it didn't end well right right and but at the end I I'm and I'm really grateful to this because that I was able to have this moment of clarity where I was like you know what I knew I didn't know why, <laughs> I didn't know what, Yep. but I knew and I talked myself out of what I knew because yep. I chose this idea of this man over myself. Not only the idea of the person, because I find, and I think I may have talked with you about this on, um, on Clubhouse when we were going through the archetype uh, quiz, which we'll get to, but I have found for me as a woman that I think guys actually buy into the fairy tale industrial complex too, and actually pitch this story to an outlet. And if you listen, girl, you need to email me back because I'm trying to write some good stuff for you. <laughs> they do, that. they do. No one escapes it. No one escapes it. Yeah. I think to your point that guys do this thing too, where they are thirsty for a damsel in distress. And this is generally speaking, and this is, you know, anecdotally, this has been my experience that guys want me to be a damsel in distress. They want me to need or rely on them for these really like basic things that even when I was at my um, less aware self, I still, it was like, no, I generally know what I want to do in my life. Like I don't need you to tell, you know? And so I would feel like, guys would project onto me this idea of who they wanted me to be. And I feel like a lot of times when you have two unaware people and they come together, they just project onto each other. Yes. And there is yes. no vulnerability. There is no emotional intimacy. There is no, there's nothing substantive there. It's just two people being like, be this thing, you be this thing, you be the, right. And so yes. to this point, <laughs> I have 100% talked myself out of what my gut, I mean, like physically, I was like, I looked at this person and physically was like, nope. <laughs> and then still, 
because of like fear, because of the scarcity thing where we think that like, if you don't make it work with this one person, ain't going to be another man for years. It's going to be, you're going to be the Titanic lady. It's going to be 84 years. Before. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, this is it for you. You better lock it down. You're going to lock it down. And you end up like months later, weeks later, however long later, like, now girl, how we get here? And it's because if you trace it back, and my therapist had me do this. She said, Jessica, write out the narrative of what you feel like happened. Don't worry about what he's told other people happened between y'all. Don't worry about what he has tried to manipulate you into thinking happened between y'all. Write out what you feel like happened. And when you look back at it, let's revisit. And I wrote out (laughs) the narrative of several of the more um, significant relationships. And I could see it was like a through line. It was a through line just of all of them where it was like you knew at some point you knew but you didn't think you could get anything better you thought this was what you were worthy of you felt like if this person who you just think the world of will think the world of you then you'll just make it work and you know whatever and I could see I could see on paper in blue and white or pink and white because I'm that kind of girl I write with pink pants sometimes (laughs) I could see where I co-created this and how if I just had some understanding of what I really, of what I really wanted and what I actually valued, I would have stopped dating like a teenager where it's like, oh, a cute boy likes me. So I guess we'll go together now. You know what I mean? That's how it used to be. Dating used to be that simple. If he was cute and you was cute and one of y'all was interested and the other was like, I like you too. Y'all just went together. And it didn't have to make sense because you were children, but now you grown as hell and you're still dating like that. What do you actually want? And that's what both you and my therapist and some friends have been like, but Jessica, what do you want out of the relationship? How do you actually want to feel, you know, with this person? And you also had me really come to terms with the fact that I have very justifiably, but also very limited beliefs about men I don't in general think that they're good people <laughs> and, I'm so serious. I need to work on my algorithm because I just see a lot of really bad things about how dudes treat women and I think it has you know like it's seeped in and it's like because I have held that belief that these just aren't good people it's like if this person is even remotely decent just make it work you know, those kind of limiting beliefs have really like, had really like gotten in there. And that's how I was operating of just like co-creating based on what was in front of me and trying to make it work. Yeah. Wow. So that exercise that you did of writing the narrative of all those relationships is such a powerful one. And I highly recommend that everyone do that, especially if you especially if you're still not sold on this idea that there's any part of you that's choosing this pattern. Um, I always like to just remind or tell people, because maybe not everybody knows this, but this is is the way that our minds work. This is just human psychology, that our conscious mind, where we are doing all our logical thinking, where we're deciding, oh, I'm going to do this. This is what I want. This is what I'm going to say. This is what I'm going to do. This is where I'm going to go. That is 5% of what we are thinking and feeling. Mm. 95% of what you are thinking and feeling is happening beneath your conscious awareness. Yep. 
And this is, so I call this our subconscious genius. So it is no accident that we have patterns that we didn't consciously choose because our subconscious is going to do the work for us, right? So you are right to understand that this is on the level of your deep belief. And, And when you have those limiting beliefs, like, you know, men are not good people, that is a belief that is in direct contradiction to what you want to be true. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And so, and like you said, it's understandable. It's, you know, you give yourself a break for having the belief. There are lots of things that happen to have, you know, to, for that belief to form and to be reinforced. So you give yourself a break. But when we start to understand the power of what we believe, because on a subconscious level, you want to be right about what you believe more than you want to be happy. Mm. Mm. So in your heart, And in your conscious mind where you're like, oh my God, I want love. And you're thinking this amazing partnership and how great it'll be and all of this. If that's only 5%, if the 95% is like, "Mm -mm, that's not safe because men are not good people. That's what it is. It's that we're constantly subconsciously looking for safety. Mm -hmm, Exactly. I literally just came across something about that, like in the mindful self-compassion workbook that I keep telling people to to buy, Um, (laughs) where, you know, we don't want to do anything that makes us feel less safe on, on any level. And, you know, it's just so typical. Of course, you come to understand that, oh, your dad you know that's that's what it you know for me I'm like super typical in that way but I feel like anybody who has parents if you got a daddy you got daddy issues in some way but you know actually looking at who he is who he was and the way that that impacted me there was so much freedom in having the understanding of the root that was what was empowering to me it was very hard um, to understand and to come to terms with the truth of who my dad actually is versus mm-hmm. who I wanted him to be. So when mm-hmm. you talk about, you know what I mean? Like what we know on top versus what we believe on the bottom, the things, the story that we tell ourselves to save ourselves. And sometimes I think we seek out people, partners who on some level we know aren't great for us, but we also are afraid that we don't deserve someone who is good for us. So it's safer to go with that guy who I know isn't great at being a human person, but you know, it's safer. It's a safer, but it's the devil, you know, exactly. Exactly. I don't want to know that devil anymore. So that's what I, (laughs) yes, (laughs) I I don't want to be that. I don't want to be. Yes, Jessica. I don't want to know that devil. (laughs) Let's go. Let's leave. (laughs) Um, I, I think I told my audience about this date that I went on a really, really long time ago. Uh, I'm exaggerating. Let's say like three years ago. It's like with this celebrity. I'll tell you who it was offline. It's going to show you. It's going to be like, not him, girl, but yes, him. So um, I got such clear signals. <laughs> the first part of the date that I was like, girl, get the hell out of here. I was like, this is not, no. But I was like, oh, maybe it's just, you know, things are tough. Maybe it's just, it's the first date, whatever, whatever. And why didn't I just leave after dinner when he was giving me these very clear signals that he's like an insecure man and like he doesn't really listen to you and then girl we got to the second part of the date where we were at this bar and we were you know drinking and like he um 
Girl, he might have messed around and said black women don't do enough for black men. And Ooh. I was like, that's my time. Um, you need to pay this check. You need to give me my car. Because you must get physically harmed. At you least know? you and left then. At least you left then. But I did not leave in the first place. You know yeah. what I mean? When well, I got that yeah. hurt, you know, um, mm-hmm. which leads me to, I think the first clubhouse room that um, my friend invited me to that you hosted, it was where you were talking about your dating archetypes. And mm-hmm. I was just like, I don't know which one of y'all bitches told Franny my business. <laughs> and when I did the quiz, I was looking, and now I can't, I wrote down what my type was. I'll know it when I hear it, but I was looking like one of y'all told my business. <laughs> this, is set up. this is some blacklist shit y'all told my business how she know how did you come up with this spot on quiz and like i need to know how you did it like what witchcraft sorcery <laughs> oh my goodness you were so sweet um, well, you know, at this point, well, I created the quiz a couple years ago. And at that point, I had already, you know, worked with, spoken to hundreds of people about dating and looking for love. And so it just, you talk to that many people and patterns just start to emerge, you know? Yeah. Um, and because I went myself from being a person who, I mean, I went into adulthood, like not knowing how to date. Like I was in my twenties and I was like, I need to figure this out because I want to date somebody (laughs) and I don't know how to do that. Right. So I, I know that part. I know literally being like, uh, feeling like, cause I I used to think for years, I thought that like guys didn't like me. So that was, Mm -hmm. that was a limiting belief that I had. My friend for a long time. when I say that, and I'm like, it's true, they don't. And it's like that dude was trying to talk to you. And I'm like, girl, I thought he was asking where the bathroom was. Jessica, let me tell you, <laughs> I understand. And I was that person, but you have to, you have you, this, this belief is you, you got to drop it. Yeah. It does not serve you. So all you have to do though, because this is, this is what happened. This was a moment of grace for me. I had this thought for years and years, starting from when I was nine years old and some little boy whose name I can't even remember, okay? But some little, <laughs> I can't even remember his name, but I remember how he made me feel. And he made me feel, <laughs> and he made me feel like boys don't like me and they never will, right? So here I am in my twenties and I'm like doing laundry, like folding laundry one day in my bedroom. And I had this thought, boys don't like me. And for some reason, and this is why I call it a moment of grace. At that moment, I was just able to like hear the thought, you know, just kind of observe it a little objectively. Mm. And I was like, huh, wow. I have thought that a trillion times. Yep. I have been thinking this for so long. It's like, hmm, what if it's not true? And I was like, well, there's this boy didn't like me. There's this boy that didn't like me. There's I was like, I had a lot of, ev- you know, quote unquote evidence to support yeah. this, right? Because we always do. This is a thing. We will make ourselves right about what we believe. Self-fulfilling had, prophecy. Right? You know, I never got approached. I was the one in my friend group who never got approached. I had yes. all sorts of story about that. Mm-hmm. Everybody else was dating. I wasn't dating. I had all sorts of story about that. But at this one moment, for whatever reason, I was able to consider the possibility that I was wrong, even though I I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm right, but maybe I'm wrong. And then I just went back to folding my laundry and I was like, okay, whatever. And then the next day, 
this the thought popped into my head again. And I was like, wow, I really do think this a lot, <laughs> right? And it was like, I just started to get more curious about it. I was like, wow, I, I really think this a lot. Because that's the thing. This is how our subconscious works. We have all of these crazy thoughts running through our heads. And a lot of them are just nonsense. But a lot of them, they just, we're so used to thinking that thing that we just, it, to us, it's just like oxygen, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like that negative self-talk, it can just be like, that's just like the sky being blue. Right. Right. And that's how, that's how the belief is able to sustain itself. It's only able to sustain itself because we never stop to say, hmm, is this thing actually true? Right. Is it possible that even though I have my daddy issues and my mommy issues and we all got issues, okay, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Even though I have those challenges, even though I don't get approached, even though I feel like I'm invisible to men, even all, given all those things, right? Is it possible that that does is not have to be my reality? that won't always be my reality. And maybe it actually never was reality. Mm -hmm. It was just mine. Cause I promise you, Jessica, they, you probably couldn't count the number of men who were checking for you, who you couldn't see in your lifetime. You know, Franny, again, I'm gonna allow myself to believe that you're right. <laughs> <laughs> all you have to do is believe that it's possible that I'm right. That's all I need you to do right now. Yes. This was me and my two friends after we signed off of your clubhouse room. They're like, Jessica, please, for God's sake. One of my friends I have known since we're 12. And she's like, I have known you for so long. We moved to New York at the same time. We have spent so much time together. Please trust me. And I'm like, Nikki, get the, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I have actively been working on believing that what I think is not true. <laughs> yeah. And here, and here's the thing though, because I mean, first of all, you are objectively beautiful and I'm sure that you've been told that a million times in your life. Are you able to and receive that compliment? To, nope. It okay. makes me want to explode inside yeah. when people say that. It like I could crawl outside of my yeah. skin and it, I'm going to tell you how dumb it is that this is how I feel about this because my therapist was saying to me one day, I was going to some rant and she was like, you know, Jessica, we just don't treat beautiful people in very beautiful ways. And I was like, girl, what the hell they got to do with me and what are we talking about? And she's like, oh my God, like you are not kidding me. <laughs> me and you talking about like <laughs> you know I, I was like it was I try I'm really working on allowing myself to believe that that's a true thing mm -hmm. yes yes yeah. listen I know I know I know that it's I know that it's hard right now it's gonna get easier but what I want you to do now when when somebody tells you like I'm gonna tell you Jessica you are beautiful you mm -hmm. just are Mm -hmm. It's just plain beautiful. Okay. Thank okay. you. So, okay. So take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. I'm serious. Take a deep breath. Okay. Okay. Take a deeper breath. Take a slower, deeper breath. Just inhale slowly. A few breaths. Hold it at the top for a moment before, and then slowly exhale. Slowly exhale. Okay. I don't want to, I, I, I don't, I just want you to like, 
just keep on breathing. You look like you stopped. We're on Zoom, everyone. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I want you to keep breathing. Okay. So what you're feeling is is a lot of 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 um it's just a lot of stuck emotion, right? Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fear because what what you were you were saying you were so right when you were saying before how we we want safety our subconscious wants to keep us safe and it considers what is familiar to be safe yes okay this is this is why we want to this is what i mean when i say we want to be right about what we believe more than we want to be happy right, right. so i'm sure like do you believe that your life would be better if you were able to look in the mirror and see yourself as a beautiful woman Yes and no. And I'm, I'm going to. Yeah, tell me. So as um, a person who writes about beauty and style on occasion, I've really taken a step back from how I write about beauty because I'm like, what if it doesn't matter? Why do we need to believe that we're beautiful? Why? Okay. You know, that's something that as a beauty writer, when people are constantly like sending you PR stuff and that whole, you could always be a little bit better, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And and I say this as someone who loves makeup. My meditation time is putting on my makeup. I might not go anywhere, do anything for the whole day, but I just need to do my brows because it's a meditative time for me, right? I still, I think, and, and we talk about Black women's beauty so much too, right? And there are people who, you know, just inherently from, you know, however their society has structured them, there are just people out there who will never believe that dark-skinned women are beautiful. Mm-hmm. Why should I give a shit? You know, yeah. I, I grapple yes. with it sometimes a lot where it's like, well, who gives a shit? Why does it matter whether or not you're beautiful? Because you can be so many other things that are so much more attainable, so much more tangible. Why should I care whether or not I'm beautiful? And I okay. say this as someone who does her makeup for herself every day, but I still ask that question. Why does it matter? Yeah. So, okay. So there's two different things here. There is a question of beauty, and then there's a question of the beauty industry that tries to sell women on this idea that we need makeup and all of these things to be better, to be good enough, to be lovable, all of that. Right. These are two separate things. Right. So for you to question the industry, like, I get it. Yeah, I question, I mean, I'm not, uh, you know, I kind of, I think, I think when you, when you grow up with a lot of insecurities, you either go one way or the other, you either go like, I'm going to try to, I think as, as a woman in our culture, you either try to go, you go the the route of like, I'm going to get really good at like makeup and hair and da da da, or you go the route of like, I'm just going to opt out. And yeah. I want the opt, I want the opt out route. <laughs> I can because if y'all can't, let me say y'all, Franny, I, what is it like to be God's favorite? Oh, stop it. The whole face is just one color. And it's like gooey, it's glowy, but it's not green. Oh my it's, goodness. It's, a, it's just good. Go ahead, though. <laughs> so I opted out, right? So I opted out of like, I never really got into makeup and all of that just because I wasn't comfortable. I To me, to, to, me, to put on makeup and go out into the world is saying like, I look beautiful. And I was like, I don't look beautiful, so I can't do that. So that was my like kind of twisted rationale about uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. So I kind of a little bit escaped some of the beauty industry only because I just never really leaned into that. Got it. Um, However, on the beauty question of just being a beautiful person and wanting to be beautiful and not seeing myself as beautiful, 
when you ask like, why does beauty matter? Yeah. First of all, w my life changed when I realized that I could just make myself my own standard of beauty. Ooh, I like that. Yes. Since it's completely subjective. Yes. And beauty does matter. Like we are drawn to beautiful things. We are drawn. I mean, you look at like a newborn baby, like does beauty matter? They're not, be they don't, they're not valuable because you're like, oh, this is the most beautiful baby. There's just beauty inherent in just being a, a human with a soul, <laughs> right? Right. Um, just like there's beauty in, there's, we're surrounded by beauty in nature and we are part of nature. So we are all beautiful. Mm. And, and actually, I also heard somebody talking about this. I was like, oh, I like this from a evolutionary biology perspective of like, we are the beautiful ones because we we weeded out all of the non-beautiful ones <laughs> okay, a million so years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? So like we're all beautiful, you know? And and so I, I just encourage you to just consider like, well, what what would what would how would your life be different if you considered if yourself to be your yeah. own standard of beauty? At see, and you I release like that idea mm -hmm. better than this brought you know what I mean like beautiful I like the concept of like my own standard of that I can do that I can yeah. work on that yeah. I can do. I, okay good okay good and, also, and when people tell you that you're beautiful like when I say to you Jessica you're beautiful mm -hmm. you stop breathing when I, I say it. yeah okay so that's what I'm talking about like that stuck emotion it yeah. has to come out so I need you to breathe like really I know it's hard. Yeah. You can do it. And it's going to, because right now your nervous system thinks that you are literally in danger of death. Yeah. If you, if I, if you accept this compliment. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm glad and that so you're saying that. Cause when I tell people that makes me want to die, they're like, what are you talking about? I literally no, no, stop breathing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I can see it. I'm glad yeah. you're on video. Cause I can see your, it's like your whole thing. You just like freeze. Yeah. You freeze. Right. It's like, it's like literally like your fight, your, your fight or flight or yeah. freeze yeah. <laughs> is activated. Right. And you just froze. Right. Maybe if I just stand here, like, you know, the lion won't see me. <laughs> and I stand really still. The lion right. won't see me. Right. So, and hold my breath. Right. So, because we know that like for you to accept me telling you that you're beautiful your life is not in danger this is not actually a threat to your safety right and you logically know that yeah and this is when we can use the power of our logical minds to help to start to reprogram our subconscious mind and just be like oh shit, i'm freaking out okay let me take a deep breath and those grounding activities. Exactly. Yeah. You're just telling your nervous system, you're not going to die. Yes. It's okay. I'm actually safe. This is just uncomfortable. And there's so much power in saying out loud, I'm safe. Yes. You know, yes. like I have had to, do, especially with, you know, anxiety, pandemic anxiety and, you know, sometimes sun ain't out and it's just like hell going on like with the world and it's, I'm safe. I am yes. safe. I am safe. I can feel my feet on the ground. I am safe. You know, mm -hmm. like all things that I actively work on. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I want you, I want to give you some homework to work on that deep breathing. Yeah. Because it instantly calms your nervous system. It instantly tells your nervous system like, okay, 
I can, I, I, we don't have to actually defend our lives right now. Yeah. <laughs> right? I don't think people realize the extent to which what you feel emotionally, it really impacts what you feel physically. Oh and yeah. People understand 100%. how the system works. Yeah. They don't. Yeah. 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 Oh no, there's a complete body mind connection. And that's why it's honestly, I'm like, I, I want, I want you to like do that deep breathing because we are not, none of us are, we, as humans, we are not designed to live in that, in that state of panic. Yes. And irregularity. Right. Right. That's supposed to be like an alarm bell that gets sounded only when our actual lives are threatened. Right. And we're just using it on the regular. Like, and we're <laughs> daily, daily, daily. Like that's our homeostasis. And it should exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> right. And so then we wonder, it's like, well, why do we have so much, you know, why do we have so many health issues? Why do we have so many, you know, physical, mental health? Like it's all connected, right, to this deeper disconnection that we have from ourselves and all this, all the shit that we absorb from people and society and all this stuff and all these that we're not good enough and all, all of these things, it causes a real um, spiritual crisis within us, but that ricochets out into our emotions, our physical bodies, our relationships with other people and our just entire ecosystem as humans, because we are part of nature yeah. and we are an ecosystem. And right now we're more dysfunctional than not. And I, I wish that we had, I, I ha, um, did a, an episode with one of my really good friends who actually works in finance. And we were talking about like, you know, economic disparity in our community, of course, especially, you know, where we're from in Atlanta. I don't think anyone is immune to gentrification, but, you know, just talking yeah. about the fact that like, we don't operate from a community mindset nearly as much as we should. And I think that's a huge part of what the pandemic has has shown us is how much we need each other. And I really wish that we operated from a more horizontal perspective than a vertical one. Yes. You know, so many people are much more committed to upholding a, a hierarchy that does not serve them than, and they just think, well, if I could just be at the top of the hierarchy, it's like, no, you'd still not be, being the apex predator does not make you, you know, like a better person, you yeah. know, like, yeah we have to look at things from a more horizontal perspective and the way that our actions impact ourselves, our thoughts, our, you know, I just, I wish people gave a shit more. Anyway, uh, we yeah. got super off track. Sorry. Okay, I know we got super, okay, let me go back to the dating archetypes. Cause yes, let me do sorry. this for, cause I know, cause you know, there's somebody <laughs> listening to this and be like, is she gonna tell these dating <laughs> archetypes? They'll be okay. so, so to wrap it up really quick. So that's how I came up with it just to like realize like, okay, there are these different parts of, of the love journey. And I felt that I had, I had seen myself go through all of them. And I'd also seen so many hundreds of other people, you know, at different stages here. So um, love confidence is a concept that I define as ability in your belief to attract and keep healthy, committed, romantic relationships. Okay. So like, if I ask you and you don't have to answer Jessica, but like anybody who's listening, like on a scale of one to 10 with one being, I'm never going to meet anyone. I might as well give up. And 10 being like, oh my God, I'm so excited. I know I'm going to meet my partner like any day now. Can't wait. And it's right. real. It's not just, they're not telling themselves that they feel yeah. it. Right. Yeah. Where are you on that spectrum? 
making myself strong 5.3 today. Go ahead. Though. Okay. That's great. That's great. <laughs> so, um, so that is kind of like thinking about love confidence of, of a spectrum. Then when I came for the archetypes, I just kind of plotted each archetype, like at a different point on that scale, basically. Got it. Okay. So, at, so first we have the avoider. And so avoiders tend to be very high achieving. They stay busy. They take care of a lot of other people. They've got busy lives. They go, go, go. And they avoid dating at all costs. <laughs> and I've been there, right? <laughs> um, and if you're an avoider, you might just not date at all ever. Or you might like every once in a while say, okay, I should try. And you might download an app. And then after a week, you're like, no, I can't do this. And you delete it and you, you know. Right. So that's the avoider. So for avoiders, my advice is to really this it's important for you to like we were talking about, start to really examine what the stories are that you have about love, the beliefs that you have about love and be willing to challenge them because you have to have a lot of story that is very disempowering to keep you in that avoider mindset for an extended period of time, because sometimes we can kind of go through phases of that. But if you're like, you know, if, if it's feeling painful to you and out of alignment with what you actually want, then the, that's the work, right? Is to start right. to examine those beliefs. Then we have loopers. So loopers, so loopers date more. So loopers, if you're a looper, you might be, you might be like a master dater. You might go on a ton of dates, but basically it means that you're just stuck in some loop, some pattern that you can't understand that you don't know how to get out of. You, you know, you might be in that place of like, I'm not co-creating anything. <laughs> like this yeah. is just happening to me. Right. <laughs> so you're just in that, if you're in that cycle, then you're stuck in that loop, then you're a looper. After loopers, we have surfers. And surfer, so the image of the surfer, think of the surfer as like a surfer on the beach waiting to catch that wave, right? And they're kind of like, oh, here's a wave. I'll try this one. Oh, here's a wave. I'll try that one. Oh, here's a wave. I'll try that one. So surfers tend to kind of take what comes to them when it comes to relationships. Mm -hmm. So surfers can kind of, they can kind of get lucky in that like, oh, <laughs> this actually was, this actually kind of, they can kind of luck into a compatible partnership, mm -hmm. but because they're not really clear on what they want and they're not very discerning, you know, that um, a lot of surfers give people too much of a chance. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, kind of like, you know, you're nodding. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they give people too much of a chance. A lot of that, well, maybe, and I don't know, and maybe I'm like, that's a, that's a very common kind of surfer place to be. And you're just like, oh, maybe. And then, you know, a year later, you're like, no, this person isn't for me, right? Right. So what surfers really need is to get that clarity, right, on like, what do I actually want in a relationship? What do I need in a relationship? How do I want to feel in a relationship, right? And then how can I start to be discerning as I date and uh, and say more quickly whether or not someone is or isn't a good, you know, make that determination more quickly, right? So that's the surfer. And then we have the sailor. So the sailor is in full control of their love lives. Like the sailor is the person who's like, I'm ready for a relationship. And then they get into a relationship. I used to look at people like that and be like, I don't understand. Like you are a freak of nature. <laughs> exactly. You know, we like all have those friends. And I don't know, maybe some people are listening. You are that friend who's just like, yeah, just ready for a relationship. And now they have a boyfriend. And I'm like, I... I <laughs> I still have one of my closest friends is like that. And I was like, and when I was in her wedding, I was just like, what the hell am I supposed to say? Because I just knew this day was coming. Since <laughs> I, I met you. Like, I'm not yes. surprised. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. So that's the surfer. They're just, they've just got that full love confidence, their yeah. ability that, I'm sorry? 
That's a sailor. I'm sorry, the sailor, you're right. Yeah. Thank you. I'm a yes. surfer. <laughs> yes, you're a surfer. I'm sorry. Right. So that's the sailor, exactly. They have that, they have that confidence. It's just like, and it's just, it's just a given. It's like, this isn't hard. <laughs> like yeah. I'm in control here, right? Um, now it doesn't mean just because it's very easy for sailors to get into relationships, they still want to make sure, like, you know, you're not just because a lot of sailors can find people, sailors can find people very easily who want to commit to them it's kind of easy to fall into a little bit of that surfer trap of like, oh, okay, you know, you check, you check a lot of boxes. Sure. Why not? You know? Um, but you want to just, again, make sure you aren't just checking boxes, but you're going deeper. Like, okay, what are my needs? What, how do I want to feel in a relationship? And you potentially, even though you're a surfer, you might still really need to do some work on some limiting beliefs and some, you know, healing some deeper things to actually allow yourself to receive the love that you actually want. Yes, I highly recommend anyone listening. I'm going to put a link to where you can take that quiz. It's free before y'all say anything. <laughs> <laughs> and come back to it, listen to the tips that Franny gave. We are, before we go, I have to just get your thoughts on huh, this undying conversation within our community on yeah. social media. Um, and the, that's the, the main reason why I was like, I got to get Franny in here because I can't tackle this by myself. I literally recorded a whole episode about this topic by myself. And I was just like, I need Franny. <laughs> there is um, this conversation about what, to me, it comes down to what people feel like women deserve, um, and mm -hmm. particularly Black women. And mm -hmm. when it comes to standards, and it can sometimes feel like if you have standards, it's just going to be hard for you to find somebody, you know, and if your standards aren't good enough, you're signing yourself up, you know, for a, a lifetime of hurt. It's, it's just this swirling conversation and this really harmful um, Black male dating coach whose name I will not say here because we won't do free promo. You know, it's like, I think people have a humiliation kink. They call into this man's show and he basically rips them apart and tells mm -hmm. them like, you can't get no man that mm -hmm. like that you not a teen you don't mm -hmm. you know, all these things so when it comes to standards you know do standards have to be like goals in that they have to be realistic like who's to say that someone of a certain size can't desire a man of a certain size like I don't think that just because like you want a man who's fit that you have to also be like a gym rat mm -hmm. and I, I don't know like this is something I have been trying to get to a good healthy place with discussing because I don't ultimately I'm not comfortable telling black women you don't deserve that mm -hmm. you know I, I'm not comfortable saying like your standards are too high because people assume that about me people say that to me and I think they, they say it with the best of intentions but they're like I feel like you're just probably really high maintenance and it's like Mm -hmm. Define high maintenance yeah. if you're saying that I require someone to not lie to me. Yes, bitch, I'm very high maintenance. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. High, you know. So when it comes to a client that you have, have you had clients where you have felt like your standards are not reasonable given where you are in life? Like, is this a thing? Can your standards be whatever you want them to be? Do they have to be realistic? Like, you know, I, I sent you, you know, like the source material of this woman yeah. who was just like, you know, you want a man who's a family man, but like you haven't even spoken to your mom. And it's like, she might have a good reason not be speaking to her mama, you know? Yeah. Like, do you really have to have this like tit for tat kind of thing with what you desire in a partner? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so this is a really good question and it's a complicated one. Um, and I think, first of all, even just the conversation about standards and what yeah. a high standard is and what a low standard is, I don't, I kind of reject the premise of how, um, like the, you know, the coach that you're talking about, just how we kind of currently frame it as in like, oh, if I want somebody who's like really good looking and has a lot of money, um, that's a high standard. I don't consider that a high standard. Right. Okay. What I can, I consider that a preference or a want. Okay. Okay. And there's something wrong with preferences and there's something wrong with wants. It's just, we're just skipping over too many things. So I'm like, okay, let's just, okay, you want somebody who's tall, who makes a certain amount of money. Okay, like, let's just put that to a side for a moment. Because in terms of your relationship with that person and what you're sharing and what you're experiencing and how you feel and your emotional needs being met, that is irrelevant to how tall they are, how much money they make. Right. So let's, I mean, because I, I have, because I, because when I, you know, I mean, you know me, you know that I talk a lot about self-love, you know, I talk a lot yeah. about you know, just really us, it is our job to learn to love ourselves enough that we can be vulnerable enough to allow ourselves to receive the love that we deserve. Yes. Period. Yes. Okay. So the love that we, we all have, we're all born with the same heart centered needs. And you can see this in any newborn or small, you know, infant, right? You can see we need love. We need connection. We need intimacy. We need acknowledgement. We need, you know, we need health. We need abundance. We need like, these are all, you know, you can see in small children when they are deprived of these things, how harmful it is. Yeah. Okay. So every single one of us is born with those needs, those innate needs. And all of those needs, we're, they're all capable of being fulfilled. Okay. Now, we get into modern dating and we get into the fairy tale industrial complex and it has come for us all right regardless of your gender regardless of your sexual orientation regardless of your race it has come for us all right so we have to examine okay how much of what i am now looking for in a partner is based on a actual need that i have or how much of it is based on an idea that i have based on what i've been marketed to my entire life Right. 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 So that's why I'm like, so, so sometimes when I talk about this, you know, women will say to me, well, like I'm not lowering my standards. Right. I'll give, I'll give, I'm going to throw my very good friend under the bus here. She's a good, she's a good, no, she, she's been on my podcast. We've talked about this extensively publicly. I'm not, I'm not betraying any secrets. She used to have a podcast about her dating life. So I'm not betraying any secrets, but my friend Corinne, she um she's 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 loosening up on this now after years but for years she would not consider dating a man who was less than six three <laughs> okay that was her that was her line in the sand that was her standard it was like that was the baseline like you got to be six three before i can even right and so she valued this particular idea of being with this man who was very tall more than she valued things that i consider to be foundational right? Like right. mutual respect, emotional safety, yes. um, you know, like emotional. So like, so she would, she would have all of these like, you know, disastrous relationships and, and, but it was always like, it didn't, nothing ever changed. It was like the, the, the disastrous relationship would end and be like, okay, now I need to go find the next tall guy. Right. And so I, and for years I was like, honey, <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm like, when you were ready, <laughs> right. and you want to have conversation. <laughs> like when you're ready to actually focus on something that matters, because the point is not that, and, and she's like, but I'm not lowering my standards. I'm like, but yes, you are, because you're tolerating people who don't want what you want. Right. You're tolerating people who don't respect you. You're tolerating people who aren't willing to commit to you. You're tolerating people who are showing you that they're happy to treat you as an option while you're treating them as a priority. Right. So that's the low standard. I don't care how tall he is. The low standard is what is the foundation of how you are being treated and the ability of this person to fulfill your needs. Right. Right. So, yeah, I think what I was looking at when I was looking at these videos, you know, these like viral moments, I'm like, why isn't there more of a conversation about like what your values are, like what you're talking about, this foundational, like you don't care whether or not the person values the same things that you value, like where's that conversation and that compatibility? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the problem with these viral moments is that these people are making a name for themselves by, by shaming people. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, it's very, I mean, like, look, I, the, the pandemic has been good for me, for my business, because I talk about these things that like, you need patience to sit and talk to me. You need to be in a clubhouse room for two hours to hear what I have to say. Yeah. Right. Yeah. With these people. And I don't say this in a disparaging way. I mean, I always kind of wish that I could do that. <laughs> I'm like, I wish I could be more succinct about my message, but I'm not. You got to like, you got you to gotta, you gotta have some patience to like, listen to me. But what they're really good at is like, doing like a very sound bitey. Now you're paying attention. Now I've got millions of views now, you know, and they're, and they're doing that through like in a way that many people do, which is through shaming. Yes. Okay. So shame is the most corrosive emotion we can feel. It is worse than fear. Fear is natural. Fear is part of being human. Fear is, is not a bad thing. Fear has, fear is why we are still here right? Because if we didn't have fear, then we would have all just run off cliffs, you know, a million years ago. Right. <laughs> right? <Sorry. laughs> or like all been eaten by, you know, wild animals, because we would have been like, I'm not going anywhere. What are you roaring at me for? You know? Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But shame, it doesn't do us any good. It's corrosive. It keeps us stuck. It makes us, um, it, 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 uh, it creates more separation between who we really are, the truth of who we are, right? Um, and our belief in who we are. So shame is terrible. So I, I mean, so I watched those videos because I knew that, you know, we want to, that we want to talk about it. I don't normally, I, I only heard of that person, the who you sent the video a week ago. Cause somebody was like, what do you think of this guy? And I was like, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't engage with that. Yeah. Because why? Right. So as to, so that's my first just feeling on it, right? So I watched those videos. It was hard for me, Jessica. I'm not, I'm not gonna I lie. I know. I was like, I feel bad for dropping like, toxicity, but I feel like I owe it to my people to address it. I was like, damn, she can watch this video. Like, what the hell? I mean, yeah. I just, I just, just even that shaming. As soon as I hear any kind of shaming tone, I'm out. I'm like, nope. You're creating shame. That's, that's all. That's now. You know what I'm saying? This yeah. is, that is not you being good human. Yeah. And you are harming, you're actively harming people. Yes. That is how I feel about that. Yes. Now, 
as to some of that message, I, what I, so this is what I would say. And this is what I do say when somebody comes to me and they're like, okay, I want somebody who's this height makes this much money has, you know, this kind of education has, which I, you know, I hear this every day. I'm like, okay, that's fine. No, no worries. Let's talk about your dating pattern. Right. Let's talk about what your needs are. Right. Let's talk about the kind of relationship you want to have. Let's look at this list of things that you have and let's see like how, cause I don't care what's on your list. You can have any, it's your relationship. You get to have whatever you want. I just want you to look at every single thing on your list and make sure that it actually corresponds to your relationship with that person and reality because it doesn't always right (laughs) okay yeah so so for instance i'll use my friend corinne again as an example so with corinne you know she and by the way i need to give her credit she's she's she has final she's like okay i'm starting to listen to you <laughs> so <Yeah>. she's like <laughs> um but you know so like so for with her for instance corinne has no trouble attracting plenty of tall men plenty mm-hmm. so the reality for her is that to to date to only date men who are six three and over she's actually able to date like an incredibly large number of men <laughs> she found him i don't know where she found him i'm like i never see men this tall how do you have a new one all the time so right. she so in the rea- in reality she doesn't have any trouble attracting that right but in terms of actually what she needs in a relationship it's completely unrelated so you need to look at both of those things right so it's like is it related to actually what i need in a relationship and is it realistic because guess what everybody can't be with a millionaire um, six foot three Olympic athlete philanthropists. There's right. not that many of them. Right. <laughs> right. How he play in the NBA and he do um, Doctors Without Borders at the same time. <laughs> right. He, he didn't have time to go to medical school. Win. You're right. Exactly. <laughs> so you know what I'm saying. So it's like if that. So so I so to the point of when they're saying, um, I mean one thing that the 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 coach said. That is true. I think it's a good point. Because one thing that people like to say, um, I hear a lot, it's like, I want somebody who makes a six-figure six salary, at least six figures, at least six figures. And it's, it is like this idea that we have. And it's like, well, why six figures? And I say, you can't have somebody. It's just, I don't care. Like I said, I don't care what's on your list. I just want you to go through that list and understand why that's on your list. Yes. Why is that on your list? Because, because usually when people, especially when it's something specific, like here, it's a number or it's a height or it's something that, you know, like that, when we break it down, it's usually like with the height, it's usually like, well, I want to feel protected. I want to feel yeah. feminine. Yeah. I want, okay, right? It's like, okay, I get it. How about, because what's going to make it a lot easier for you to actually feel those things is to make sure that you are feeling, you are cultivating your own femininity within yourself, independent of some other person. Yes. Because if you're saying, I'm going to feel feminine based on the size of a man, you're giving away your power and you're giving away your femininity because, you know, like what, <laughs> why is your femininity yourself? Yeah. based on what, you know, on how tall a- another person is, right? Yeah. So my goal for every woman who feels that way and it's understand, and by the way, I'm 5'11". So I, it's not like I'm like, you know, some five for foot. Me, I'm five two. Everybody's tall to me. So, you know, I just be listening to people who have this desire, like, girl, it's going to be real hard for you. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, you know what, though? But you're good because I know plenty of women who are 5'2 and they still want a man who's at least six feet tall. 
I could give a shit. <laughs> okay. Well, so that's good. So, so, but my point is like, so you look at, so it's like, so what's underneath it? You want somebody who makes six figures? Why? What does that represent to you? I'll say, well, if he makes six figures, that means he's good with money. That means he can provide. I'm like, okay, there are plenty of men who make six figures and beyond who are not good with money right. and who do not provide for their families. Right. And who are not generous. Right. Because just because <laughs> he got that money don't mean that he going to freely give it to you. Okay. <laughs> and, or, and, uh, and also sometimes it's like, just because somebody has a six figure salary, they might be living in a seven figure lifestyle and you might be this close to being on the street. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You so know, it's like, it's the better thing. Like you said, you want someone who's financially responsible and can provide financial security. Yes. And comfort. Yeah. Right. That's so, it's, <laughs> you know, you know, so it's like, because, because there are plenty of people who don't make six figures who have, they have savings, they invest, they are, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll you know, like even um, my, my boyfriend um, who, I mean, he has a perfect, he's a scientist, whatever, he's a PhD, he's a perfectly good salary, but he has a whole other, even though he's a scientist, he has a whole other, in, he has total other income streams. Yeah. Because he invests in this, he invests in that, you know, he, he owns a property. And so like, if I was just looking like, oh, well, how much money do you make? And like thinking like, mm, I want to do you know what I'm saying? Like, so my point is that you don't have to necessarily, it, you're, you're stuck on an idea of something, yes. what something represents. And sometimes it's, first of all, um, you know, maybe you're just shrinking your pool way, way, way too small. And you're not even focusing on the real thing that matters. So in that small pool, there are going to be a lot of men who aren't going to be able to give you the thing that you think that pool represents. Yes. You see what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. This is why I needed you to break this down. I, like, <laughs> I know what I want to say, but I don't know how to say it. So thank you. Yes, that. Right. That. And it's just like, and, 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 and the fitness thing, that's another thing I hear all the time. I want somebody who's really fit. I'm like, okay, why? Because I'm really fit. Or I like to work out. I'm like, all right, so work out. It, I mean, because if you, first of all, if you're just a person who's really into fitness and that's one of the, your values and chances are you're going to attract people who are, that's one of their values as well. Right, right. So worry about yourself. So now, right. you know what I mean? <laughs> right. And, and what I hear the other, because half the time I hear is because I'm fit and I want somebody who's fit. The other half the time I hear is like, well, I want somebody who's going to motivate me. Mm, right. Uh-huh. Yeah. We tend to do this. We tend to date very aspirationally. And this is the part that I do. This is the core of what they were saying that I do agree with. At its core, we need to stop dating aspirationally and thinking, if I'm with somebody who's fit, if I'm with somebody who looks a certain way, if i with somebody who makes this amount of money, then I'm going to be happy, good enough, loved, safe, yep. et cetera. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Because that is not true. Right. Right. And so that's so that core of what they're saying. And you also have to ask yourself, and this is part of why I don't matchmake anymore, is because there are a lot of people who would come to to me as a matchmaker and they they got this laundry list of what they want in a partner and they've never met anybody like that. Much less dated anybody like that. So it's like this is where it gets into the reality piece. Right. Yeah. And and there's not and there's and there's there's enough love for everyone. There's a love there's enough intimacy, there is enough connection and love for everyone. There's not enough men who make six figures who live in a five mile radius to you who are certain height and have certain hobbies 
to have that be the, 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 you know, your quote unquote standard. But if you take your standard to who treats me with respect, enthusiasm, consistency, who matches my values, right? Who compliments my lifestyle. Like if you take it to that, the pool expands. Doesn't mean they're all right for you. You still get to have preferences, but now instead of feeling like I've got to chase after this man who has a certain set of traits and there's only a few of them and I'm stuck in the scarcity mindset of believing I'm never gonna, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. It's yeah. just it just reinforces the scarcity, the scarcity. Whereas you're like, okay, the found this is how I this is how I define the foundation of a true love relationship. I talk about true love all the time. The foundation of a true love relationship is one that is based on mutual respect, emotional and physical intimacy, right? And the emotional intimacy part that requires vulnerability. I mean, the physical intimacy does too especially if you're taking really intimacy, not just sex, right? Yes. Emotional, physical intimacy, emotional and physical safety, both, okay? Physical safety might seem more straightforward. Emotional safety is just as important. Is this a person who honors your feelings or is this a person who tells you that you're wrong or ignores your feelings, gaslights you, right? We all know what that feels. And so how many times when you're starting to date somebody, when you start to see a little gaslighting, you start to see a little bit of like, oh, you shouldn't feel that way. You start to see like, oh, I told him that I didn't like that and he did it again anyway. You start to see that. How often are you like, all right, well, and you push through, are you like, I don't have emotional safety with this person. He's, he's demonstrating to me that we cannot co-create that emotional safety that I need. Right. So commitment, because, and this is not like a, you know, monogamy versus polyamory thing. It's just that you can't have true safety with somebody if you think that they're going to leave. Like you just can't (laughs) the next day. Right. It's too insecure. Right. Right. So you need that commitment and then you need joy. Right. Can you actually spark joy? It with it within this partnership, right? Do you are is that something that you're able to cultivate and share together? So that's to me, that's the foundation. And then all the other stuff, that part that all falls into place. We're so we're so stuck on on um the 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 superficial in our in our culture, right? Yeah. We're so stuck on that. It's like, how can I um, you know, how can I like um just look five percent prettier? And it's like <laughs> whatever that means, you know, (laughs) or how can, how can I just like, you know, how can I be like five pounds lighter? It's like, well, okay. I mean, it's not that there's anything wrong with having that as the goal, but you could also have a goal. It's like, how can I have a relationship with my body that feels really nurturing and healthy and fulfilling? Right. Right. Because if you go to that level, if you really do need to lose five pounds and that is correct for your body, you probably will quite easily. Yeah. Whereas if you're just focused on the five pounds, you could be stuck trying to lose and, you know, gaining and losing that five pounds for 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> right. So that's how I look at those types of videos. I, it, to me, it's like you, we're talking about the five pounds and we need to be talking about the relationship with your body. Yeah, that's what I was just like, there's a huge component that's missing from these conversations, which is to me like the more human part, the part that's beyond the superficial, like you said, like what when you get to the actual nitty gritty in the day to day of what a relationship is. If you've had a hard day where life has thoroughly kicked your ass, like we all tend to have, and you come home to a person who is six three, but who can't really hear you or take in 
what you're yeah. saying or provide any kind right. of, and you might come home to a super nice ass house that six, three, six, four foot man provided for you. But if there is no safety there, no emotional safety there, no ability to be vulnerable, you are best, you're alone. And I yes. love that Tony Morrison quote about like, who does that alonement belong to? Who is mm. that lonely? It's one thing for you to be single and lonely where you, you know, that's, that's my own, but to be lonely with someone else, that's hell. For it is. It's the worst feeling. That is, the, that is a personal hell. And I that, agree. that yeah. instability of that, not knowing which person you're going to get from one day to the next, not knowing if that person's going to be there from one day to the next. Mm. I could give a shit about how tall you are. <laughs> if you take all six foot three of you the hell out the door every single time <laughs> I need you to listen to you know like how I feel bad about you know um Franny thank you I could talk to you literally for hours and <laughs> I, I have prepared my audience for this like they know this is going to be like a longer episode I hate to even end it. I hope we can come back and talk talk again because like, again, you are a gift. I just, girl, Aww. bless you. Flowers, oh, all the good things. We, we <laughs> love you, we honor you. All the stuff we said about like Cicely Tyson. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness. Thank <laughs> you know, you. all the good things, all the good things. It just, it makes me really happy to come across um, like-minded people and especially like-minded black women who, are, are just in alignment with that little thing that I've always had where it was like something's not right about this world you know what I mean like if you've ever watched um Westworld and it's yes. like <laughs> that little bit of something is not right about this world and you mm -hmm. pick up on questioning the nature of your reality and the only thing that makes you feel sane is finding other people who have the same question and yes. arrived at similar, you know, so that's, I'm just so grateful to have come across you. So tell the people where they can find you, how they can interact with your work, if they want to get coached, all of the things. Yes. Oh, thank you for that. That was so sweet. By the way, I used to also have a hard time receiving compliments. And you know what I just started doing? Taking a deep breath, saying thank you, and then just putting my hand over my mouth to stop yes. myself from talking. I will work on it. Yes. <laughs> but I've got, but I'm good now. So now I, now I actually really love compliments. So thank you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so people can connect with me on, I'm on social media, on Instagram, uh, clubhouse, all the places I'm dear Franny. I also have a podcast called dear Franny. Um, and people can also just book one-on-one -on -one sessions with me. Um, if they're interested in doing that, I'm not taking on any extended clients. So people can book like one session, but I'm not doing extended client work anymore. Um, however, at the end of March, I am launching a seven week course called the confident dater. Um, so yeah, so I'm excited. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, it's, I've been working on it really hard. It's going to be amazing, really comprehensive, everything from like your love mindset and how to feel more worthy, how to love yourself more, how to date, you know, successfully in our modern world, online and off, flirting, all the good stuff. Um, so I'm super excited about that. So yeah, so those are some ways that people can uh, stay in touch with me. Awesome. Y'all, I will 100% be in the clubhouse rooms if y'all slide through. That app, <laughs> that app is not all trash, I promise you. It is it not is all good. trash. It's great. <laughs> yeah, and I'm actually going to be doing a series of master classes on, on Clubhouse as well in March. So, yeah. Awesome. I'm, I'm so excited. Thank you for taking time for me.
I really appreciate you, Jessica. This has been wonderful. Yes, of course. And we will talk again soon. (laughs) Thank you, honey. All righty.